Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to the realest podcast in the dunya, The Three Muslims. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of dark chocolate, specifically 90% black. We don't do anything oh. less than that. Bismillah. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So Rami, do you want to take it away? Uh, I despise dark chocolate. I don't know. Stop for luck. Give this back, bro. This guy likes uh, white chocolate. That's a very atrocious thing nah, to say. No, give me this, bro. You don't even deserve Not to hold it. Not sponsored by anyone. And you can have your chocolate back. Yeah. We belong to only Allah. Yes, alhamdulillah. With that being said, today's episode is on the importance of salah. Specifically, importance of taking your time with salah. This is something that I wasn't too familiar with because around me, just looking at Muslims, you know, growing up, when I went to the masjid, everyone was doing the turbo prayer. Have you heard about that? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, before Anhel, and y'all about to get the meme in a bit, before Anhel even does Allahu Akbar, everyone's already done the salah. I used to think... (laughs) I used to think, truth be told, that Anil really likes to go a little slow, like a grandpa, you know, take his time. But I tried doing this myself, and I realized, bro, the amount of presence that I feel is mashallah. And I think none other than Anil should uh, take it away and give us a little bit of his revert journey and how praying slowly has succeeded you, inshallah. Inshallah. So, I mean, I don't really know the fast version never did it you know like i always knew that like okay i just want to take my time with it um i remember when i first started learning how to do the prayer i was watching this one video on youtube where i don't know which one it is but i mean allah bless them they Mm -hmm. they didn't go fast but they didn't go slow they went at like a a midpoint and i was just kind of following along trying to understand like the movements and like when to say what right and um when i was doing this even then i was like this is a little too fast for me <laughs> like i feel like i kind of want to slow it down and i think this just comes back to that mindfulness that just like being aware of like what you're doing um really trying to get as deep into it as possible pause and um when i meditate i like to take my time you know and I, I figured, okay, well, when I pray, let me, let me take my time. Let me see what happens with this. And I saw that I felt very present during the prayer. Um, it was very easy to go deep into the prayer to where it's like, when I'm making dua, it feels very sincere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very genuine, you know? And... Um, I don't know, man. Like, a lot of people would be like, oh, like, how, how are you... Um, I, I, I don't even want to say it because like, I, I don't see it myself. So may Allah make it how y'all, y'all say it is. Mm-hmm. But, um, they'll say, like, how do you, how do you, you know, take so long or how, how are you so present in the prayer and stuff? I'm just like, just slow down. That's it. Like, I didn't do anything special. I just slowed down. So I, I don't think I if I If I requested you during Salah one day to just pray super fast, let's say double, if not triple the pace that you do, how would that make you feel during the Salah? Aside from rushed. Aside from rushed, I would just feel like I'm going through the motion, not even connecting. Not only, I'm not even giving myself the time to connect. Like sometimes I go into prayer and my mind's like all over the place. And it's like, it'll take me 
like a good 15, 20 minutes of being in the prayer, of being in prostration for a very long time before I start like getting to the point where my mind starts to calm down and I'm getting more in tune with the prayer. Mm, get into that, bro, the connection thing, because salah linguistically means what, Rami? Connection. Connection. And how many people are out here just lacking the connection? They look at salah as an obligation, which it is, nonetheless. We're not trying to negate that, but they look at it as just something to cross on the to-do list, you know? Yeah. It's just a chore, stuck for Allah. But what do you what do you mean when you say connection? Oh, well, first off, let me say, like, I don't always feel the connection. And I don't always get, like, super deep into prayer. I think that's, like... It's human. It's human, but it's um it's a misconception that people might, you know, y'all might feel like that, oh, take the time in the prayer, more present. Like, it's not always going to be like that. Um, what was the question again? What do you mean by the connection? Connection. You know, because a lot of people think Salah is just motions, ibadah, act of worship, obligation. Yeah. They don't understand the, the reflective or connective spiritual yeah. stance of Okay, I got the perfect example for y'all. So think about like a very tough point in your life. And in this tough point, that's when you start praying the most. Mm -hmm. That's when you start doing acts of ibadah the most. That's when you spend the most time in the prayer. Whereas like the deepest you'll ever go in your prayers is during this time when like things are going like the worst as possible for you. Uh, they, that's the connection that I'm talking about. Because mm. in that state, you feel like you were being as sincere as possible. And it's like you, you'll be praying and, and you'll be so in tune with it. You'll even feel like random emotions coming up. Like you'll start crying out of nowhere and stuff like this. Like where does this come from? It comes none other than connecting with Allah. Mm. And um, again, like I'm making the, the example to show you like, okay, this is what happens when you're at the lowest point in your life. Allah puts you in a state of submission. So in order to feel that connection with Allah, you have to be in a state of submission. And I feel like when you're rushing through the prayer, you're going through it very fastly, you're not in a state of submission. You're not. And, well, I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself, and I may be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like there may be people out here who do, you know, they pray fast and they do connect with Allah. Like I can't it's say hard, that it's the truth. It's hard, though. I agree with you because when I try to pray fast, it, bro, there's... There's a level of gratitude that we have towards Allah for even giving us signs when we're not on point with our Islam. Like, he doesn't owe us that, right? Think about it. So we're completely indebted to that, bro. And one of the things is when I'm praying timely, not just punctual, but I take my time with my salah, everything in my life is kind of just smooth. You know what I mean? There's times where I'm rushing through Salah and I feel like the days are just passing by. I don't have enough time in my hands. You know, trade, work, family, everything's just da da da. you know? And I, uh, the day is done, I'm like, oh, what the hell? You know, it's already Friday again, you know? But there's times when I'm taking my time with Salah and, bro, I feel like I have so much time and space with the day. You know what I mean? It sounds weird because logically, you would think that if you spend more time with Salah, you have less time during the day. But what's weird is, Actually, when you spend more time with Salah, you have more time in the day. You just get better with like just being in a flow state as a person. Reminds me of this thing that I heard. I don't remember which video. I think we were watching this video together. But they were saying like, if you want success in the dunya, it's in the prayer. Yeah. If you want power, it's in the prayer. 
Like, if you want financial success, in the prayer. If you want love, it's in the prayer. Like, everything comes from the prayer. So, like, the more in tune you are in your salah, the more everything else just kind of, like, unravels for you. Like, the dunya literally comes to your feet. And, like, the best example that I can give to this is when I was in Thailand. Mm. When I was in Thailand, I was literally going to the masjid every single prayer. MashaAllah. Bro, and I was literally... In Thailand, they have this thing known as sabai. Sabai is like the lifestyle. It's basically like laid back, like chill, chill, right? Like Hakuna Matata yeah, in Africa. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I guess I never heard of it. And I've only heard of it in the Disney movie. I didn't know. Oh, okay. In uh, Africa, wherever you go, you tell anyone anything, why are you not stressed? Why everyone's just like Hakuna Matata? No stress. Is it no Hakuna worries. Matata or are you talking about the um the Hawaiian one? Which, um, no, no, no. Hakuna Matata. What That's the Hawaiian the one? I don't know. I, it sounds similar. Ohana means family. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting it mixed. Damn, bro. This, but, uh, we're returning okay, this tomorrow. Yeah, so what I'm saying, in Thailand, they have this thing known as Sabai, so it's all like chill, 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 mm. relax. Costa Rica, Pura Vida, all this stuff. Right. So in, in Thailand, I was... I toned it down. Because like over here in the US, I'm just like, go, 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 go. Like, okay, I got this, I got that. I got this coaching session. I got to record this. I got to talk over here. I got to call my parents. All this stuff is like just stacking on top where it's like, even if I make time for my prayer, it wasn't the same as Thailand. Like in Thailand, bro, I think in total, one day I spent uh, maybe like four or five hours in prayer. Not at once, but like spread out. You know, like the fire prayers, the sunnah prayers, the night prayer. Like, uh, bro, all this stuff. And it's, again, it's not to boast but it's like, it's to say like the difference of like when you actually take your time with it. And bro, when I took my time with it and I, I had took in, I had spent a total of like, what did I say? It was like three, five to, hours. three to five hours. Mm-hmm. Bro, like it honestly felt like time was almost like still, like time was not moving. Like, yes, it was getting darker or brighter, but time just did not exist in this moment, bro. It's such a beautiful You ever thing, felt that, bro? bro? Listen, when I was in Saudi, living the Medina lifestyle or the Makkah lifestyle, mm-hmm. bro, I want everyone to understand that all we were doing is just waking up, having breakfast at the hotel, mm-hmm. right? Or no, waking up, going to the masjid for Fajr, going to the haram, coming back, having breakfast, maybe sleeping, napping a little bit after that, going to, uh, you know, Dohr, Salah, coming back, going to Asr Salah, coming back, going to Maghrib Salah, coming back, maybe dinner after that. Going to Aisha Salah, coming back. Maybe a couple of tawaf here and there on the Kaaba. I didn't work. I didn't have school. I didn't do anything. Bro, I was exhausted. <laughs> Anyone that has been to Amra or Hajj can attest to this. All I was doing is just prayer. But my entire life and my day revolved around Salah. And bro, it was crazy how fast time would fly by. That when I was there, I was just like, bro, if someone told me to like work full time, I was like, how would I squeeze this into my schedule? Because here, Fajr, five minutes. Dohr, five minutes. Asr, five minutes. Maghrib, five minutes. Isha, five minutes. 25 minutes a day. Bro, there was the whole experience, bro. Taking your time, going to the masjid. Every footstep, I would feel the barakah. Once you enter the mosque, you know, give some sadaqah if you want, you know, talk to some people, you know, go sit down, reflect, pick up a Quran, you know, read a little bit. You know, salah starts, take your time, do the sunnah after that. 
after that, they had janazah prayer very frequently there after every salah, mostly, you know, which is a funeral prayer. And bro, before you know it, the, it you would spend a total of like two, three, four hours per day prayer, like what you were saying. And those days, I didn't feel incomplete. But when I look at it now, praying 25 minutes total per day, days done, I'm just like, oh, I could have just done this more. I could have done that more. Oh, I could have made more money. Or you know what I mean? But my my spirituality is just hungry, bro. But over there, it wasn't, you know? And most of all, best of all, it was free, bro. Everything was free. Well, of course, hotels and all yeah, that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy, bro. SubhanAllah. So I think something that is very crazy is that we know this, right? We know that in the prayer, that's where the success is. That's where everything is, right? <sighs> but when you try to take your time during the prayer, like things will arise, like maybe you have allergies. <laughs> maybe you're sick. Mm. Maybe you have a headache. Maybe your neck is hurting. Um, maybe your knees are hurting. Like things will arise. And like, of course, you, you, you do what you have to. But the, doing the prayer, right? So, like, you're taking the time. It's like you don't want to take the time because it's like, oh, man, I got this going on. I have that. Like, I have allergies. Um, it's, it's a little tough for me right now. But it's like if you do take the time, you notice the effects for yourself. Now, not on top of that, then you have the sunnah prayers. Like, I, I, I thought about this a while back, and I told this to many people, and they're like, yeah, you know, like, this has actually been spoken about by a lot of the sheikhs. And that is that... um. The prayer, like the fard prayer, is like, it basically opens the door. Mm. And then the sunnah prayer is like you stepping through the door. And what is this door? It's like, it's peace, it's tranquility. It's like that true fulfillment that we're looking for here, you know? And um, yeah, we, we often think like we don't have the time for it or like, say, nah, I don't want to do it. It's like extra. It's like, okay, well... If I take my time in the normal prayer, let's say I took 20 minutes, like, do I really want to take another 20 minutes to hit sunnah? But it's like, dude, what's your feeling in your head? Where you're like, oh, no, I don't know if I want to do this right now. If you can, what are you doing, bro? Bro, I have to take a picture of this setup. Just so, just so like, yo, editor, zoom in on this, bro. Like, why would I not laugh? This is what I'm looking at, bro. Just zoom in on that stuff, Send bro. it to Gabriel. Like, <laughs> my man has one mic. <laughs> bro, look at this. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing, bro. SubhanAllah, bro. So, yeah, it's like your mind will make it seem like you don't want to do it. But it's like deep down you know that that's what you have to do. It's almost like when when you want to be successful, it's like the thing that you don't want to do is like the thing that you have to do. Yeah. Right? So it's like, oh, you want to have like that connection with Allah. You want to be at peace. You want to have, um, I don't know, you just want to be in tune with everything? Yeah. yeah, you just got to spend the time in the prayer, but you know exactly what you got to do. Similar to what you said, the analogy that the sheikh has made, right? I heard this thing in my, you know, just, just around. I don't know if this is actually like Islamically uh, valid or not, but they say that the farad salah is for Allah, right? It's, it's specifically just worship. It's not to get anything, nothing, right? And then the sunnah, is, you know, where you kind of start to, like, make some dua for you if you want to. Like, this is where, you know, you can make a lot of dua. And then the nawafil prayer, like, the extra, extra prayer, you know, that's, like, when you can, like, it just it just shows, like, it changes the frame into, like, seeking something from Allah 
to like, okay, no, this is ibadah, this is worship, not just prayer. And then eventually it's like, okay, cool. You know, even when we make dua in sujood, do we don't just make dua right away? Do we? We say subhanallah three times, then we make the dua. Or we should, right? So, yeah, Rami, you've been awfully quiet, bro. Yeah, I was going to ask you, bro, like, because I know you suffer with allergies. Yeah. So, like, what do you do to be able to reach that that state of connection when you can't stay in that, you know, that prostrated position for, like, 20, 30, 40 minutes because the allergies are acting up? Yeah, uh, then I, I don't. If I can't. But what I do don't. you do aside from that? Do you spend more time in the dua? Like, Yeah, yeah. So, usually being in sujood versus being just in standing in prayer even, with my with me personally running nose doesn't it doesn't change with what position i'm in it's more so if i have a runny nose bro it ruins everything i can't stand in mm. ruku i can't be in sujood i can't stand in my in the standing up in the raka i can't my nose is going so i just take a tissue i keep in my pocket or a few and i just keep in my pocket if i need to i'll wipe or whatever and just keep going um but uh I don't suffer with allergies too much, alhamdulillah, honestly. And I think for most people, like, it'll come and go, but they'll always have moments where they're, alhamdulillah. And, you know, actually, side note, realizing those moments of when you have it good is what really counts. Because when you have it bad, you're like, oh, I remember when I had it good, right? So flip it, inshallah, you'll be a lot more grateful, inshallah. Yeah, but um, I do want to talk about, just kind of add another layer to what you guys were saying. There's, with me personally, there's always, almost something with knowing I'm taking time that makes it more important it makes it easier to want to take that time. It makes it easier to focus, right? Because I kind of have two states when I'm praying. One state is like, I'm just praying normally, how I usually pray normal speed. And because, you know, Surah Al-Fatiha is flowing, I know exactly what it means. And I have the, like the, the kind of, I don't want to say translation, but the meaning flowing in my head when I'm reading it. When I, you know, slow it down and really focus, that's something my teacher taught me, like especially like during Isha, during night, to focus on every syllable, even if you're reading slowly, like Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. People probably got impatient just waiting for me to finish that ayah, right? But if you're reciting like that in prayer, you're really focusing on every syllable, you're going slowly. That is the most tranquil you will feel in your life, subhanAllah. And if you put it into perspective, we talked about what salah means and you know how it means to connect and so on and so forth. You can also add that it was given to the Prophet directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the night journey. But something that's overlooked a lot is before the five daily salah was made obligatory, what was obligatory for the Muslims? Tawheed. Pardon me? The shahada. Yes, but in terms of praying, mm. before the five daily salah was obligatory? It was more than all that. night, right? Praying at night. Mm. Yeah, yeah, praying at night was obligatory. Qiyam, night prayer... Before the five daily salah fajr, dhuhr, asr, maghrib, isha, mm. night prayer was obligatory. They had to stay up all night praying. And I know you remember this. My teacher was telling us, right, yeah. that they were, they were so tired, they would have to literally tie something under their armpits to keep them standing so they don't fall over. And some people would fall over in the middle of salah. Because the Prophet you know, especially during night prayer, he would take his time. He would pray very slow. And my teacher, I don't know the sources for this, but my teacher even mentioned, like, you know, like maybe even like 20, 30 minutes, maybe more, and just in, in one ruku'ah. Just bowing. Like imagine just bowing for 20, 30 minutes. You know, that's a workout in and of itself at night after a long day working in the heat. You know, maybe even fasting. Well, I don't think the fasting and then the salah at the nighttime mm. was obligatory at the same mm, time, yeah, yeah. but he would still pray night prayer after, after you know, when it wasn't obligatory. Yeah. You know, 
that, you know, subhanAllah is tiring, but that builds character. And obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't do anything randomly. Always does things, you know, for a reason. So if you look at the hikmah behind it, we try and attribute some kind of wisdom behind it. You could say like it strengthened the Muslims. It granted them this kind of, you know, assurance. And it really, you know, if you think about it also, it weeded out the people that were maybe were too weak to actually practice Islam. Because some people actually left Islam because of that. They would stop practicing because they couldn't handle it. Right? Mm. But the ones that stuck, the ones that stuck to it, they got the rewards discipline, of it yeah. and they got yeah, that yeah, discipline, yeah. mashallah. And Allah made this obligatory, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Not, you know, after Islam has been established in the Sharia and everything and, Mm-mm. you know, right at the beginning. And only after that did he abrogate it and give the five daily salah. And that's the thing, bro. This is something that's like, it's crucial. And, and after the shahada, like bare minimum to just be a Muslim, right? The shahada. First, most important thing you do after the shahada, salah. Then you have, you know, Ramadan and all that. Zakat and, you know, Hajj and all that. But it really goes to show because think about it. Your shahada is something that's kind of like, it's not a one-time thing. You're constantly in the state where you believe in the shahada. Salah is a little less frequent, so to say. You know, it's, it's like minimum five times a day. Then you have Ramadan, which is once a year, but it's 30 days. Then you have, and you can fast other times if you want to. Then you got zakat, which is just one time a year now. And then hajj minimum, inshallah, if you can, once in your lifetime, right? I was also going to ask you guys a question. Um, I want to know what you guys think. But us being born into, I don't want to say non-Muslim families, right? Because me and you were born Muslim. And Anha was a revert, mashallah. But we were all, at least, even if we weren't born into Arab families, we didn't speak Arabic growing up. Yeah. And we still don't speak Arabic. We're not native Arabic speak- speakers. Forget even fluently, bro. We probably know like Alif, Bata, like basic stuff. Like, you know, we know basic meanings. But do you guys think that native Arabic speakers or those that are fluent in Arabic have an advantage over us in understanding Quran or during Salah? Like they just, because it's already their language, they can feel that connection easier. I'm not saying it's an excuse for us not to learn Arabic, but do you think they have that advantage? Yeah, yeah, 100% they have that advantage. If you ask someone, you know, who has better genetics and someone who has worse genetics, who has an advantage physically, obviously the one with better genetics. Same thing here. If someone can speak Arabic fluently, they will have an advantage. What they don't have, right, they have the advantage of being able to understand and read and write and all that stuff. They don't have the advantage in the reward because the person who struggles to recite or struggles to learn, they get double the reward. Mm. Never even thought of it that way, bro. And it's also too, like, yeah, they might understand it better, right? And this is where I'm going to say something that you probably, oh, I forgot this was here. I'm going to say something that, you know, it's like what you were telling me that I keep saying over and over and over again. But, um, if Allah wills, <laughs> if Allah wills, like, you can have the person who doesn't speak Arabic and it's going to hit them more. You know, like, they'll listen to the recitation and it actually pierces through the veil and hits their heart more than it would the person who can actually rationally and logically understand it up here, but it doesn't pierce the veil down here. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm going to give you a humble request to please move the mic from where it is. Not that one, bro. This <laughs> this guy. Bruh. Literally, bro. I was looking for that one. But aside from that, um, 
before we move on to the next topic, I did have another question for y'all. Inshallah. If uh, Anho is done. Are you giving it to me, bro? Jazakallah khair, bro. I have two mics now. I don't know what I'm going to do with two mics. Uh, but you just put it on the back, like in display. Just have it standing. Twist it around. There you go. That's it. No. <laughs> Rami, you next, don't worry. <laughs> All right, Bismillah. So my my question that I wanted to ask, I can't remember. <laughs> bro, well, stuck for a lot, bro. On a, such a serious episode too, bro. Stuck for a lot, bro. <laughs> Why uh, you take the top off, bro? <laughs> Give me the tip. Uh, nah, bro, just put it away, bro. Just put that thing away. Fine, bro. <laughs> quick sponsor I mean quick Quick No Forget it We can't do that If we have a brand deal bro I know I know Yeah Bismillah Okay my next question Before we move on to that Is Some people Are not as fortunate To be in a position Where they can take Time away from Salah Should they That's a different story We're not talking about that But let's say They work a job That's extremely demanding You know Let's say their boss doesn't let them pray. Of course, of course, we know we shouldn't take jobs that get in the way of our deen, of course. But let's say you're like a single parent, you know, you got to provide. This is just what you, this is the situation you're given. We know where we should be as Muslims, but this is just the situation. These are the cards you were dealt. And can you do something about it? Of course. But let's say they, at that moment they haven't yet. So they're working a job they can't or, you know, they're, they're in school back to back. Let's say they're like a surgeon, you know, they have back to back patients, anything. I'm just, I'm trying to play devil's advocate and there's no way for them to take time out. Maybe they can just squeeze in like quick, like four minutes, a lot, five minutes, a lot. That's it. They can't take more time. Right. Or stuff for a lot. They have to delay it. So what do you, what do you say to these brothers and sisters that are in that predicament? The times where you can pray, make it count. Hmm. So like if they're at work and they only have like four or five minutes, okay, khalas. Like, do the prayer at that speed that you need to do it, right? But then when you go home and then you got time, take your time. Hmm. I think that's, that's the best that I could give. Yeah. Um, take your breaks uh, wisely. You can A lot of time you can choose when to go on break. Uh, very few people are actually told when to go on break, right? So if you can, go on break at a good time. Even if you have to be kind of smart about it. I'm not saying you should do this, but let's say, you know, duhur and uh, so Asr starts at 4 o'clock. You have a half an hour long break, right? You can go at like 3.45 or whatever, pray Duhur. And then 4 o'clock hits, it's Asr. You saw on break, you can pray Asr. And then boom, that's two prayers within, within the span of 30 minutes. So I'm not saying be technical like that. Um, if you have multiple breaks, which people work long hours, you should have three breaks or so, um, or at minimum two. Spend them out so you can hit your Salah. Just make sure it's your priority, right? Your, your first priority is to pray and then to work. And if, you know, your boss is not, it depends on where you are in the world, right? If your boss is not going to respect that, you can complain. And at least in Canada, you have a religious freedom. You have a religious right. They can't stop you from a religious obligation. When I work at Superstore, they actually had a full prayer room. And I would literally call the manager at the time up and be like, you know, hey, I have to pray. And no questions asked. Okay, come get my key. I take the key from him and go, pray, give him the key back, go back to work. Literally five minutes. And they wouldn't even really knock time off of my clock. Bro, and these people who are at jobs where they just really don't even have the time to pray, 
or they should be looking into something else. Yeah. Mm. And like a lot of them will be like, oh, but I need the money, I need this. Listen, you leave something for the sake of Allah yeah. and it's replaced by something better. Yeah. You know that's in the Quran. Yeah. Allah literally says in the Quran that those that leave haram, just, you know, those that, that let go of haram, they don't submit to haram just to get money. The provisioning is, is coming to them sooner or later. It's already written. Inshallah. Inshallah. So uh, there's no excuse. There's a lot of people, you know, I feel exactly what you guys are going through that you're in jobs where there's music or there's, you know, non-mahram women just wearing whatever. Shout out to the personal trainers, bro. Get out of that situation. Uh, you're working in jobs where you can't pray or you're afraid to pray or you're working with a bunch of kuffar, not just non-Muslims, bro, but people that are like anti-Islam. I feel that, bro, and it's tough. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, on the day of judgment, what's going to weigh heavy on the skills, bro? Oh, Allah, I, I please the masses. I, I, I didn't show them how Muslim I am and scare them off. Or did you pray? And that's why I believe gradualism is key, right? So those that are already in that predicament, yes, slowly, you know, show them that you're praying. Slowly, like, you know, just be okay with it and, and don't be authentic, you know? Take time off. If you don't want to pray in front of them, be like, okay, I'm just going to go to that room, that small room. I'm just going to pray. Five minutes later, you come back. People are going for smoke breaks hours in a day anyway. And then you come back Friday. Oh, I got to take this little off. I'll end later. You know, if I can go to Jummah prayer, it's obligatory for me. Oh, but we have uh, Abdul over there. He doesn't pray. God, I'm not Abdul though. Yeah. You know, and you start it slow. But for the people that can't, that, that are not in, in it yet, they haven't started it yet. Establish it from day one. These are one of these boundaries. If you want to work at a corporate job or anywhere like that, it has to be there from day one. There's no like slowly Islamicize them. No, show them this is your identity. This is what you got to do. This is what you're about from day one. And if I can't do this, I can't practice my religion, which is actually going against corporate law today. So you, everyone has the ability to practice their religion, then I can't work. And never sacrifice your deen for money, ever. It's never a worthy trade-off, bro. Yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Hundo. Hundo P. With that being said, bro, my next thing that I wanted to dive a little deeper on I want to ask Rami this question um, being a born Muslim right how was your relationship with Salah growing up you know it was absent bro okay, maybe I shouldn't say that stuff a lot of the, no I know but, but it wasn't really there unfortunately you know we'd go to Eid Salah once like twice a year that's literally it same uh, Eid Salah or like you know even Jumma if any you know we had it in school I was yeah. lucky but that's kind of it you know and when you first started praying Salah you're getting on Dean, coming back to Allah. What really changed? What things did you notice, bro? And everything, everything changed. Like I literally, everything changed. It would be undermining, to really, trying to explain one or two things, especially when it comes to salah. You know, it's just that 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 there's different levels, really. There's the consistency and discipline, but there's also the spiritual side, the the contentment, the peace, tranquility, and all that stuff that you know you can bring into your life. You know, there's nothing better than even like praying under the stairs in school and getting in a Catholic school too. Right? I thought you were going to say under the stars. <laughs> that <laughs> <No>. too. Inshallah. <laughs> yeah, that's Allah. true. But yeah, praying under the stairs in school Catholic and school. just getting back to it and going mm -hmm. and seeing all these Catholic people who half of them don't even really practice the religion, you know, and being the Muslim there and being confident I'm a Muslim, you know, brave enough to pray under the stairs. And it's not like a crazy thing like, oh, I'm fighting a war or anything, any, but some people, you know, it's difficult for them. Mm. So there is that, 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 you know, proud aspect of that pride in being a Muslim. I think one thing that 
people need to get in check. And maybe maybe Anahal can get into this because you came from a non-Muslim upbringing and you saw how Muslims were portrayed. But there is a, an air of embarrassment that people possess being Muslim. And what I mean by that is they do things that are un-Islamic to fit in. They sacrifice deen just to be included, just to get approval, validation. Have you experienced this yourself? You don't need to air your, your own thing, but have you noticed this with Muslims, bro, being a, being a non-Muslim at one point, coming into Islam, reverting to Islam? Have you ever felt this type of embarrassment, bro? Do you see this in people? Um, I see it in some people. Uh, but for myself, like, I definitely had moments in the beginning where I was just kind of like... Not telling people. Yeah, or not, not really one uh, act like a Muslim. And I'd say more so, like, I have it in, like, some dreams where, like, I, I'm afraid to maybe say that I'm Muslim or do something like that. But in reality, like, it just changes everything. Like, when you do say that you are Muslim, when you do act according to being a Muslim, you know, like, people treat you differently. People see you differently. And um, there's a different type of respect that they give you, you know? And, like, when they see that you're actually about that, and I'll give you guys a story, okay? So um, I was with two friends. We were actually going to the shooting range. And as we were in the car, they started making, like, some jokes. And they started making, like, Jew jokes, because one of them was a Jew. And he's not a Jew anymore. I think he's Christian. And the other one, I think he's just agnostic. Like, he believes in God, but he doesn't, he's not religious, right? And um, the one that's, you know, he's agnostic, he, he was, like, going at it, like, making these jokes. And then he, he said something about Islam. And, like, I had to stop him. Were you Muslim at the time? I was. Ooh, so it was, was after you reverted. Yeah, I was. And I had to stop him. I was like, yo, yo. Like, I think that's about as far as we go with that. You know, like, like leave it. Like, drop it. And then he's like, oh, bro, like, quit taking it so seriously. I was like, listen, like, that's, that's religion. Like, you don't play around with that. And you don't joke around about that stuff. And he's like, bro, like, he looked at me, he's like, because I told him, I was like, don't, don't play around. And, and he basically looked at me, he's like, no, like, I'm going to say what I want. And I, bro, I literally looked at him, I was like, listen, if you're not going to respect a religion, then respect me as a man when I tell you not to say something like that. Like, have some respect. Mm -hmm. And, bro, like, instantly, he just stopped. The other dude in the car as well, he stopped. And it wasn't like, oh, there was this bad vibe, but it was more like respect because I was able to express that. Because I, I, I'm 100% Muslim. I'm not Muslim 50% of the time. Like, I'm 100%. Mm -hmm. And as a Muslim, like, you have to... You have to stand for your dean. You have to stand for something, or else you're gonna be like the uh, the other people. I won't even mention them that they don't stand for anything, so they fall for anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hmm. Allah's not gonna honor people that just bow the knee, roll over for exactly. approval. You know what I yeah. mean? How many people have opportunities to defend Islam, but they don't? They hear Islamophobic jokes or remarks, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, I don't want to say anything," and put the spotlight on me, bro. At the end of the day, listen. Allah guides who he guides, Allah misguides who he guides. It's not your job to fight every battle and, you know, turn every heart. You can't, it's not even in you to begin with. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to come here and 
philosophically or ideologically convince everyone that Islam is true or try to rationally, you know, justify your perspective or anything. That's what we're doing. But if you, you know, if you come across people that come sideways, like Anhel's friend, Salafis are going to be crazy. Like, yo, what is Anhel doing in a car with a Jew and an agnostic anyway, bro? Haram, astaghfirullah, bro. This is haram. Haram. But at the end of the day, this is what happened. How you handled it is actually, I would say, a commendable way to handle it. Mashallah. And what's that guy going to do? Just as Mahdi said. What is that guy going to do next time that he thinks about making a Muslim joke around you? He's going to think twice. Uh. And over time, he's going to think twice being with other people and saying those things, you know? It's rubbish, bro. Jazakallah khair, bro. May Allah bless you for that, sharing that. Habibi, bro. You got to do you gotta do on too. Come on, Zoom in on that, bro. I bro, enough of these sound effects, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, respect me, my man. You, yeah. Alright, guys, uh, I want you, editor, please zoom in on Anhel's face right now too. Uh, comment down below, guys, if you actually think that if you didn't know Anhel was Puerto Rican, revert to Islam. Does he not just look like uh, a Saudi or Egyptian sheikh? Just look at him, bro. Yeah, Anhel ibn Abdullah, bro. Just look at this guy. Mashallah, though. Yeah, let us know, guys, if you if, if he looks like a, a Puerto Rican revert or. Actual legit sheikh from Emirati, bro. Who knows? Inshallah. Um, yeah. Any anything else you guys have of the next question? Okay. This is something I was talking to with Rami before the the podcast, and it's it's the Hajjat, bro. The night prayer. We, we talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but yeah. you know, I talked to a lot of people that have achieved a relative degree of success in their own field, whether it be in commerce or in family or status or whatever, you know. And I always ask a lot of these people, you know, what did you do to get here? And a lot of these people, they give me different answers. But the one thing I commonly hear among the Muslim folk is tahajjud, making dua during tahajjud. is the arrow that never misses, as they say. Yeah. What is tahajjud? You know, I know we, we all know what it is, but for the people that don't know what it is, do you want to elaborate a bit? Yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure tahajjud is when you sleep right after Isha and you wake up at the yeah. night prayer. It's the night prayer that's done that you specifically wake up for. Yeah. Anything other than that is just... It's just qiyam. Qiyam al-layl, yeah. yeah. Um, more specifically, I believe in the last third of the night is the best time to pray tahajjud. Allah descends in the last third of the night. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, is, it, is it physically or not? I know the authorities. The, uh, yeah. The ashris are going to go at each other and they're going to be like... <laughs> they're going to go attack each other. No, it's physical. No, it's your kafir, your mubtada, your... It's in a way that, that befits his majesty. Yes, 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 yes. Stop trying to use logic, bro, yes. you calf. <laughs> Bismillah. Bismillah. But yes, and, and he asked basically, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but like basically who's there to ask so that I can answer their mm-hmm. dua, et cetera, and give them what they want, subhanAllah. Beautiful, man. It's beautiful. And bro, to, and, and, and the nighttime is yeah. like, it's the most peaceful. Yeah. Everyone's asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard I heard this one this one thing once. Someone I asked the Sheikh, I don't know who it was. I don't know who the Sheikh was, but they asked, you know, why is the air so pure at the time of Fajr? And the Sheikh said, because the, the, the hypocrites aren't awake for that time. The hypocrites don't wake up at that time. <laughs> Damn. Allah. Mashallah. It was tough. It was Mashallah. tough. Mashallah. Yeah. That being said, so this is basically what tahajjud is. Um specifically making dua in tahajjud, taking your time with it. Have either of you noticed any type of relevance or difference in your life? Oh, yeah. I personally obviously have. Of Otherwise, course. why would I be trying to preach it? Yeah, but huge difference. But what have you guys noticed specifically? 
Well, the biggest thing that I will say is that there's this sense of uh, peace in your life. Like, things could be going completely sideways, but it's like, you're just kind of like, everything's all good. You're okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Versus like, let's just say you're just doing the five prayers, maybe even taking your time with the prayers, maybe even doing the swimming prayers. But bro, it's like, the haju just really gives you what you're looking for, bro. The clarity, the peace, the understanding, the guidance, the rahma. The acceptance. Bro, everything, mm-hmm. man. Like, again, I'm not going into details, but I'm just saying it gives you that sense of peace. Like, maybe you don't have the means to, like, let's say you have a, you live in an apartment. You don't have the means to pay rent. It's like, bro, you, you're all, like, you're good, bro. Like, you don't even, it's not even stressing you when you pray tahajju, bro. Like, it's just, it's another level that you have to experience it in order to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, even last night, bro. Literally last night, bro. I, subhanAllah, I woke up this morning and you know how I was. I'm like, I'm going to need to sleep all day. I'm going to take a nap. I don't know if I'm going to record. I can, all this stuff, right? We prayed tahajjud. We stayed up. I maybe slept a little bit, so maybe like half an hour, an hour until fajr. We woke up, went to the masjid to pray fajr, came back, slept a little bit more. I thought I'd be dead. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm good <laughs> now. SubhanAllah. And that's just like such a, a blessing. It People is. think praying night prayer. You know, are you going to take time away from sleeping? You're going to ruin your schedule? You're going to all this stuff. It's like the the blessings that it gives you in your life. SubhanAllah, it's, it's unmatched. It's honestly there, unmatched. There's a level of being on self-improvement where you're here like tracking your sleep. You know, you're like, I can't disrupt my testosterone synthesis, bro. I got to get all my sleep. But it's H-G-H. like, listen, yeah, HGH, you know, uh, memory consolidation, you know, memory going from short term to long term, all that happens in like, third, fourth REM cycle. I'm talking like you're sleeping four, five, six hours continuously, right? Brother, I can't disrupt that. I got to get my gains. Listen, hmm. trust me when I tell you this, there are times when logically you might think like if I if I do this for the sake of Allah, it will inhibit me in dunya or it'll make me deficient in this one avenue. That's not how it works, bro. When you go all in, Islam is complete submission to Allah, right? When you go all in, Bro, I'm talking all the things you were stressing about, you were fussing about, just sort itself out. You don't even worry about that. Like, logically, one might think, if I take time away from work and I pray, I'll make less money. That's not how it works, bro. Yeah. You you take time off from work, you say no to the money, you pause the money, you come to Allah, and then Allah can trust you with more. Because you're not hooked onto the money like like a coke addict. You know, you, you're you okay with detaching from the dunya. Those that I see that are extremely successful today in the dunya are those that don't need the dunya. They've detached from it. Mm. But those that are always trying to count every dollar and be stingy and, bro, they stay in that situation, bro. And my heart goes out to them because I feel what they're going through. I'm sympathetic. But they don't realize that it's because of what they're doing and how attached they are to the dunya that they're not getting the dunya. Mm -hmm. If only people understood. If only they knew. You chase the dunya, you'll never have the dunya. And you'll never have the akhirah. Yeah. But if you... Chase the akhira. Dunya is at your feet. Exactly. That's what it is. And you get the akhira, inshallah. Inshallah. Through Allah's mercy. I think that's a good note to end off on. Yes, sir. With that being said. End it off, bro. Do the dua. Go for it. Subhanakallahumma ubihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha ilant. Nastagfirka wa natubu ilayk.
MashaAllah. And with that being said, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Let's go.